Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From My Point of View. Uh, the NBA playoffs, Western Conference looking like it's going to uh, round out possibly tonight. Uh, be- while I'm recording, the game is on tonight. Uh, Warriors are up 3-0. So by the time the episode is out, they could have very well swept the Dallas Mavericks and go to the finals. Uh, Eastern Conference. Very weird series in the Eastern Conference. You have the one versus the three seed, and it's just been blowout after blowout. Actually, really, none of these games have been very close. Uh, it's, it's just been a lot of blowouts, and it's unfortunate, especially in the Eastern Conference. Uh, each team has had one quarter where... They just completely derail the game, and it's just a wash from there on out. Usually it's the third quarter, but last night the Celtics opened the game on a 19-to-1 run, and the Heat had, they made like three shots in the first quarter. It was an abysmal quarter, opening quarter for the Miami Heat. So we'll get into the NBA playoffs. I'm going to start with the Yankees and their situation with Josh Donaldson because it is something that I feel like is is a bit important to talk about. And I have a plan to end the show. A little bit of a superhero movie debate. I saw it on Twitter. I thought it was really interesting and I, I figured it'd be a fun way to end the podcast this week. So let's start with my New York Yankees. A bit of drama coming out of their camp over the past weekend. Uh, They played the Chicago White Sox. Currently, the Yankees are on a three-game losing streak. They lost two of three to the White Sox, including a uh, sweep. They got swept in a doubleheader on Sunday, and then they went and they lost a tough game uh, against the Orioles in their first game against them on Monday. So. In a game where Aaron Judge homered twice, they lost. So not great there. First time they've lost three straight games all season, which is definitely a good sign. Um, Chad Green went down. He's he's getting Tommy John surgery. He's probably seen his last days wearing pinstripes. So some injuries. Uh, Luis Heal in AAA also, I believe, is getting Tommy John surgery. So some injuries for the Yankees. Um, some rough games, but looking to bounce back against the Orioles, they could still win this series, of course. So what happened over the weekend? Josh Donaldson called Tim Anderson Jackie in reference reference to Jackie Robinson, of course, and Tony Larusa deemed it to be racist. Now. It's you can't casually toss out that word without, you know, stirring up some feelings and stuff. And the reviews seem to have been mixed in terms of what Donaldson actually meant or what the intent was. You know, no one can know for sure what his intent was, but the way he backed it up seemed pretty likely to me that it didn't really seem like it would have been intent because 
The way people saw it and why LaRusso called it racist was because, oh, Donaldson's calling Tim Anderson Jackie because he's a black baseball player. And Jackie Robinson, of course, was the first black baseball player to ever play in the league. And it's uh, minimalizing Jackie Robinson's impact and demeaning Tim Anderson. And that's why it was racist. That's if there was like, you know, intent behind that, which Josh Donaldson said there was none. He was referencing a 2019 interview Tim Anderson did where he said he felt like he was today's Jackie Robinson, which first off, just outside of that scenario, Tim Anderson is not today's Jackie Robinson. Like he's actually, I don't care what he feels like he is. It's not even close. He's really not built like that at all. And he's not that influential. So you can kind of, <laughs> that's what jo- I think that's what Josh Donaldson was really getting at was that he was, he was making fun of him. He was, he was ridiculing him and teasing him because jo- if had Josh Donaldson said, you're not like Jackie or you're not like, you're, uh, you're not like Jackie Robinson, then it's like very clear that he's not, you know, the fact that he called him Jackie was the, the problem in question. Had he elaborated and said, you're not built like Jackie, or you're not, you're not like Jackie, then that's completely different. Then that is like obvious, clear indication that he's referencing, uh, the article or his, that interview that Anderson did. It kind of feels like it's it's pretty cut and dry, but the minute Tony LaRusso said it was racist, the MLB had to investigate. And after the investigation, they suspended Donaldson for a game. One, because the history of him and Tim Anderson's not great. Uh, they've had words before. Two, it resulted in a benches clearing incident. Uh, and three, it was a demeaning remark. Uh, so the MLB kind of just said, you know, let's, let's, we'll give them a game. Don't, whether it was, you know, the, whatever the intent was, no one can be totally a hundred percent sure. Uh, but we can't have anything like this happening again. And I think their hands were pretty much tied again. Once LaRusa said it was racist, then it's like, okay, well we have to kind of try and do something here. But, Personally, Josh Donaldson has never had any like rumors about him being racist. He's never had any teammates come out and say that he's like that kind of person or, you know, the only people that have really had problems with Josh Donaldson are the people that he's playing against. Uh, I'm pretty sure that every like most teammates Josh Donaldson has been with will talk pretty highly of him as a teammate. So this isn't an instance where. And it doesn't really seem like any of the Yankees players are bothered by it either. Uh, so it, it seems to be a pretty clear indication that he was just teasing and clowning Tim Anderson for something ridiculous that he said back in 2019. I think that's what it really comes down to. Uh, but again, you never really know. So that was a, a big thing, a big story over the past weekend. And it has been. Of course, Tim Anderson ended up on Sunday Night Baseball hitting like a three-run homer against the Yankees to take the lead against them and break the game open. Uh, So that was his bit of revenge there for him and the White Sox. Uh, 
of course, didn't really work out in the Yankees' favor, everything. It would have been nice if Josh Donaldson had did something like that. It would, it would have been a, little, a bit different, but um, it, it's just not... Uh, it wasn't meant to be against the White Sox, clearly. They had that kind of extra edge heading into that doubleheader. So, hopefully it's just water under the bridge now, moving forward. Nothing like this ever happens again with Donaldson or anyone else, and just call it a day. Uh, Before the NBA playoffs, I want to talk about the new Thor Love and Thunder trailer, which premiered during the Heat-Celtics game. We got a brand new, full-length, about two and a half minutes of Thor Love and Thunder. We get a bunch of new things. We get to see more of Jane as Thor with a reconstructed Mjolnir. She has an interesting move where... Uh, it seems that Mjolnir is able to break into a ton of pieces and launch as projectiles and then come back to form the full hammer. She's got a very cool suit. Uh, Thor gets an upgraded suit as well. And he gets a super dope mask. A little bit different from the comics where he just has the helmet with the wings. He's got the wings, but now it's like a full half it's like almost like a batman mask where it covers you know his forehead everything from his nose up and he's got the wings on the side and everything and it's gold and his suit is very very dope with the the red and blue and the and the black it it just looks very sleek um and then we get our first look of course at gore the god butcher who is christian bale no cgi it looks like uh, or at least there's going to be very little CGI, but I think I think it was Taika Watiti who said, um, he's like, we have Christian Bale as Gore. There's not going to be, we're not going to, he's such a great actor. We're not going to, it might've been Feige too. I don't know if it was him or not, but uh, they said, we're not going to cover Christian Bale's face in CGI and just make him like this giant CGI'd villain and just have him do the voice. We're not going to do that. We're he's going to be playing Gore the God Butcher. And they really did do that. They have some crazy makeup on him. He looks horrifying, like really eerie, like Angel of Death-ish. Now, in the comics Gore the God Butcher, his main source of power is the original like King Symbiote. It it's uh, a symbiote that was, and I, I I don't know much about Gore the God Butcher. I actually just recently saw a little bit about his origin, and he has a symbiote that it was attached to a god, and then the symbiote left the god and merged with Gore, and it's kind of like a Cletus Cassidy carnage. Uh, relationship where they're like a perfect match for each other because Eddie Brock and Venom aren't a perfect match for each other, but they, uh, they, I, I think the Venom symbiote actually is a perfect match for Peter, uh, Spider Man, but Eddie Brock and the and the symbiote aren't a perfect match. Carnage and Cletus Cassidy are a perfect match. It's the same kind of thing with Gore, where that King symbiote, that original symbiote, is the uh, the perfect. He is the perfect host for that symbiote. Now, I don't know. There wasn't anything in the trailer to indicate that those were going to be his powers. And they could do something very, very different. Uh, But regardless, he is going to be strong. 
and he's going to be a guy that's some, I think someone might die in this movie. I'm not entirely sure. Because he's the God Butcher, right? That's his nickname. So if he doesn't kill someone, I feel like it's going to be pretty whack. Uh, it, it almost feels like they're going to kill Chris Hemsworth off. And then Natalie Portman's going to step in as the new Thor. Or they're going to bring Natalie Portman back just to kill her. And then Thor's going to have like this crazy like awakening or whatever. I just, I feel like someone, someone's got to die, right? Some, like, at least semi-major character in this movie has to be killed by Gore the, the God Butcher. And it does, there is a shot in the trailer where he is uh, saying all gods must die. And he, he really, it looks like he's holding someone and he's about to deliver a final blow. Uh, but it, it, it's... It, go, it looks like it's going to go from a, a lighthearted movie about Thor discovering who he is, you know, how he deals with the fact that Jane is now back in his life and is also Thor and has the same abilities as him, really, and how he deals with that and finding his true self. We also get a shot of uh, Thor standing in front of Greek gods. So there's a bit of a crossover there. Zeus, it, it, at least when you're watching it with subtitles, it says that Zeus is speaking to Thor and he ends up like getting Thor naked and everyone passes out because he's so hot. Um, but there's a lot, a lot of stuff going on in this movie. Um, I'll be interested to see. I hope, I just hope they don't introduce gore too late in the movie to the point where it's like, well, now everything feels rushed. You know, because it does seem like they are trying to make a Thor character story. But also, if you're introducing Gore the God Butcher, he's got to be someone that's, like, very strong. Right? Like, he doesn't, you don't get that name just from being a weakling. And I am interested to see how they really deal with his power scaling. Are they going, is this the way they're going to introduce uh, the symbiotes even further into the MCU because at the end of uh, Spider-Man, we did get Eddie Brock when he got teleported back to the Sonyverse. A piece of the symbiote was left at that bar in Mexico. So that had established the symbiotes now in the MCU. So did it somehow make its way to Gore the God Butcher? Or was it, it was the symbiote always there and they're just gonna be like yeah it was always there it was just attached to a god so you never saw it these are some questions or they they might obviously just go a completely different route uh in terms of gore's power and how he got those powers they could just make them natural and he's just like yeah like i decided to start killing gods one day and i'm super strong that would be kind of lame um, like his whole aesthetic is based off the symbiote too. Like in the comics that I saw, Thor fights Gore and chops his arm off, and then Gore replaces his arm with like a full symbiote arm, which is dope. And he has like a full black arm, uh, in contrast with his like stark, uh, like ash white body. It looks sick. You know, the, the aesthetic of him and the design of him is awesome. But, no doubt in my mind, at the very least, Christian Bale is going to kill this role because Christian Bale is an awesome actor and one of my favorites ever. 
Like, I, I don't understand how you don't like Christian Bale. He's just so good. Um, and he can play crazy. We know he can play crazy. So seeing him as Gore is going to be uh, very exciting. And there's also, I mean, after a, another look, he says, you were not like the other gods that I've killed. So I'm assuming he's talking to Thor. And Thor says, uh, that's because I have something worth fighting for. And Gore also looks like he has some type of sword. Uh, if it's, I don't know if it's like a magical sword or, or, or whatever, then that's what grants him his powers. So it doesn't really look like they're going to go the symbiote route. Um, maybe they'll surprise us. I don't know. Marvel's deked us before. So who knows? But anyway, yeah, very, very excited for that movie. And it comes out in just over a month, actually. So... Waiting on Thor, obviously going to have a full episode to review that and, and break it down and give my thoughts on it, of course, because it's a Marvel movie. So why wouldn't I? Also, a funny bit, when Thor gets his clothes blown off, it looks like he has a bunch of tattoos on his back, one being Loki's helmet with the horns on it. It's like in the middle of his back. I saw a zoomed in still of that. and it's. Looks pretty funny. I mean, I hope we get a closer up look of uh, of that and something they blurred it out in the trailer because it's a trailer, but we'll probably get some Thor cheeks as well. <laughs> so I'm sure people will love that. All right, moving on to the NBA playoffs. We'll start in the West. Uh, Tuesday, May 24th. Tonight is Game Four of the Western Conference Finals between the Golden State Warriors and the Dallas Mavericks. Warriors are up 3-0, so they have a chance to close out tonight. Very well could be, as you're listening to this, very well could have swept the Mavericks uh, in four games. Crazy to think that this is even possible, but the Warriors are playing unbelievable basketball. I actually saw a tweet the other day after they won game three. I was like, just imagine if the Warriors drafted LaMelo Ball. Like, that would be... I, personally, I don't think he... I, I'm not sure how well he would have fit in with the Warriors. Probably pretty well, because Steph could play off ball, and if LaMelo really just wanted to be a straight facilitator, he could easily do that in the Warriors. Um, but that would have been insane, because James Wiseman is hurt. He's not even playing, right? Kaminga's getting some minutes now. Uh, Moses Moody... With the injury to Gary Payton uh, Jr., Moses Moody's in there. He's getting some run. He didn't play in the first two rounds of the playoffs. And now in the conference finals, he's playing uh, decent minutes for the Warriors. And he's contributing. It's actually one of the most impressive things in all of sports is how deep the Warriors are and how excellent their player development is. They really are one of the best franchises in the NBA at developing young talent. They've been phenomenal at it for years, and that is why they are currently at the point they are at one win away from going back to the finals. Klay Thompson, because he hasn't played in two years because of his injuries, Klay Thompson is now one win away from going to Technically, his sixth straight finals. The past six seasons, he has played 
he will have been in the finals every single time. Now, of course, there's a little bit of a loophole there because he missed two full seasons, but you know what I mean. It's still wildly impressive. Uh, it's just success after success with the Warriors. The past two years have been very weird, and it's mostly because of injuries. Steph got injured, Clay got injured, Draymond's been banged up. Like everyone, it's just been injuries, and those tend to happen, especially when you're going to the finals like four or five years in a row and you're making these those deep playoff runs. Injuries can eventually come come about just because the body is, you know, it's just so much physical exhaustion, it's bound to happen. So the past two years, yes, they've been injured, but aside from Clay, nothing serious. And now these guys are back. They're all healthy, knock on wood. And they're all playing a very, very high level of basketball. And it, the Mavericks just straight up look overwhelmed. Besides Luka Doncic. Luka scored 40 the other night and they lost. Luka scored 40. Two night, a few like game two, I think back to back games. Luca had forty points. Him and Brunson had thirty points. He had forty points. Brunson had thirty points, and they still lost. So when when that's happening, it's such a demoralizing thing, and you have to think like, can they really sustain like that kind of emotional toll? Like Luca's got to be throwing his hands up in the air right now. Like how much more do I have to do? Kind of reminds me of LeBron. In a way where it's like this dude is carrying his team to these deep playoff runs. Well, this is Luca's real first deep playoff run, but uh, like at such a young age, he's like 24 years old. He's carrying his team. He's a top five player in the world, and he just doesn't have anyone around him. And you know, 10, 15 years ago, if Luca was on this Dallas Mavericks team, they'd be in the finals, no problem. I truly believe that 10, 15 years ago. But now you need to have a second like star player, a second all-star, high all-star caliber player. You need to. Otherwise, you're just you're you can get there. It's gonna take a lot. Like, what has Luca done outside of everything? Right? Like he's done everything in his power to get the Mavericks to the point they are currently at. And I think in today's NBA. When you don't have the proper team constructed around your star player, it'll work in the regular season and it'll only work for so long in the playoffs. And like it feels like this is the ceiling that this current Mavs team can get to. Now, if you were to ask me if they run it back next year with virtually the same squad, give or take maybe a couple of role players, whatever it is. Do they get back to the Western Conference Finals? My answer is no. A lot of things have to go the right way. You're, a lot of players have to play their best basketball outside of Luka, of course, to get there. First of all, Luka has to be flawless. Second of all, the role players around them have to play really well if they even want to sniff the Western Conference Finals. Now, personally, I think it's pretty clear we're here today because Phoenix... Dallas was a bad matchup for Phoenix. Like, they just were stronger. They were hungrier. Phoenix just did not have the necessary skills to counter the Mavericks. 
And I think we're seeing a lot of that in this series too, where the Mavericks just don't have the necessary skills and players and game plan to stop the Warriors. Steph Curry's not Chris Paul. Like Steph Curry will put 30 on your head and then all he he could dish the ball out, right? He he's playing off ball. He's running around. The guy has an infinite supply of energy, it sound it feels like. And it's just a completely different animal to tackle than the Phoenix Suns. But in my opinion, Phoenix, it feels like, was very clearly going to be... It, it, this matchup would be way more competitive if Phoenix was in the conference finals rather than Dallas. But Dallas was a better matchup against Phoenix than they are against Golden State. It's a, matchups come in, are a huge play in the playoffs, and, and they are really a very important thing to consider. So, the Grizzlies, I think, were actually a very touch... They were a very tough matchup for Golden State, and had John Morant not got injured, that series, if I had to bet, probably would have went seven games. Because it, it went six games, but the Grizzlies hung around, even without John Morant. So, it, it, if he was there... It feels like that series was headed to seven, um, and that was a tough matchup for them. Same way Phoenix was, or Dallas was a tough matchup for Phoenix, and now Golden State's just kind of running away, and I think matchups are one thing, yes, but I, also at this point in the playoffs, like playoff experience and championship pedigree goes a long, long, long way. Uh, you see on the other end, we'll get to that, but Boston and Miami, they're just going back and forth in blowouts. And you have, and neither one, I mean, neither one of them have won a championship. Boston, the core in Boston, the core in Miami have not won a championship. Miami has gotten to the finals. It was in the bubble. Say of that what you will, but they have been there before. Uh, they, haven't, they haven't won, but they've been there. So that counts at least for something. But Boston has also been to a few conference finals already. I think this is their second conference finals as a core, like Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, that core. Pretty sure this is their second conference finals. Back to the West. Uh, it is unbelievable what Stephen Curry is doing. Andrew Wiggins, he's having a phenomenal playoff series. And... He's been shooting the ball well. He's been getting to his spots. He's been attacking the rim. He's been rebounding really well. And on top of all of that, he's playing phenomenal defense on Luka Doncic. Yes, I just said Luka has multiple 40-plus points games in this series, but he has to work for them. Like, when it's just Luka and Wiggins one-on-one, -on -one, from what I've seen... He has played really well against Luka Doncic. Andrew Wiggins has. It's obviously a team sport, so switches happen. Luka gets his matchups, whatever. There, there's miscommunication sometimes. It happens. And you're not going to be able to really stop Luka from scoring when he really, really wants to score. But you can at least make him work really hard for it. And I think at the bare minimum, that's what Andrew Wiggins is really doing. Like, his size and length is really giving Luka a lot of problems, and he's making him work really, 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 really difficult uh, for to get the shots that he wants. 
And then in game three, Wiggins put Luka on a poster, and they originally called it an offensive foul, and everyone went crazy on the internet. They were like, you can't call that an offensive foul. You simply cannot. Because uh, it was like a real deal, true, I'm going to take one dribble, two steps, and elevate over Luka Doncic. And it was like DeAndre Jordan over Brandon Knight-esque, where he's got that forearm on him, and it's just a slam, a vicious throw in, uh, throw the basketball into the hoop kind of dunk. It was wild, and Wiggins was amped up. You don't see him really get amped up that much. He is a very reserved guy on the basketball court, but he was, like, screaming, flexing. Like, he got hyped, and they called it an offensive foul. Steve Kerr, out of principle, challenged the call, and the call was reversed. It was a bucket, Um, and Luka did get tapped a little bit. Like, Wiggins kind of, he barely grazed him, but Luka definitely sold it. And then they reversed the call, and Luke was like, ah, man, like, that's tough. But it was a, a crazy, it was like the, the best play of a great night for Andrew Wiggins. He had a career high in the playoffs, uh, and it was just, again, really, really good night for Wiggins. Curry popped off. Klay uh, Thompson really is the one that's like, if he gets going at any point in time, the Warriors are unstoppable. When Clay, Clay has been very inconsistent in these playoffs, he's had a couple games where he's played really well, but for the most part, he, he seems to have been, his three-point shot specifically has been very, 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 very hot and cold. Um, he's driving to the basket a lot more just to see the ball go in, turn around, pull up jumpers, whatever, in the, in the mid-range. He's just trying to get his shot to fall. It seems like there's something that's, that's missing there for him. I have no doubts he'll get it going, but should the finals come around and the Warriors, should the Warriors close out this series and make it to the finals and Clay starts to really find his jump shot, there's no one that could beat this team. No one. And I, I think a lot of people are really starting to come around to the fact that like, hey, the Warriors are, they're poised to, to do this thing again. And that leads me to my next topic if Steph Curry gets and then we'll get to the east but if Steph Curry gets his fourth ring and obviously Draymond and and Klay Thompson will get their fourth ring as well but primarily Steph Curry because he has the numbers and the statistics to back it up and he is the star of that team right he is option one where does he rank all time for point guards if he gets that fourth ring because right now I probably have him top five all time, if not close, because you got Magic, Isaiah Thomas, uh, John Stockton, who else? Oscar Robertson, that's four. Jerry West is like a shoot. In my opinion, Jerry West is a two guard, so I'm not counting him in this list. But even if you're not counting Jerry West, there's still only maybe a couple guys in front of Steph Curry as it currently is. Uh, Certainly you can count Steve Nash, Jason Kidd, maybe Chris Paul could be in front of Curry right now if you really want to get into it. But um, personally, I have him fourth already. And there's Magic, Isaiah, Oscar Robertson, Steph Curry. That's the top four. And then fifth is probably, uh, probably Chris Paul or Steve Nash. Oh no, John Stockton. I'm forgetting Stockton. So 
Curry's actually probably fifth right now uh, behind those four guys. And I think even without a ring, even without a ring, by the time his career is over, he would probably be second or third. Like he would jump Stockton and, and, and Robertson and, would, and you can even argue Isaiah Thomas by the time his career is done. Should he get a fourth ring? I think that automatically catapults him to the best point guard ever. I know Magic has, what, five rings? But Curry has four. He has one. He has the, the best record, regular season record in NBA history. He has two rings. You can say, oh, well, he has four rings. Two of them are because of Kevin Durant. But this ring would now immediately dispel the Kevin Durant won the Warriors two ring two extra rings. I think because he pretty much proves like, hey, Durant's gone. We still have the same core of guys that are here and we have a bunch of young guys around us and we still won a championship before Durant before Durant did when he left to go to Brooklyn. So you prove that a, Durant being on those teams doesn't, it, it didn't, now, you could say he's, he said, she said, you know, if Durant isn't on those teams, then maybe LeBron wins another one, which personally, in a hypothetical situation, had Durant not gone to the Warriors, I think those two rings that they get, I think they only get one. I think LeBron probably gets another for Cleveland uh, in those two matchups against Golden State, personally. But we could talk about hypotheticals all day. Nothing really matters. Basically, what I'm saying is he has, he'd have two without Durant and two with Durant, and Durant would have none without Curry and the Warriors, which means it kind of neg- negates that argument a little bit. Like, yeah, 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 well, he has three rings. Because right now it's like a knock on Curry. You'd be like, well, he has one ring, yeah, but the other two are pretty much because of Durant. That's what haters will say. I'm not one of those guys, but I used to be. But now I'm, I'm just saying like it is a real possibility that you could just, before his career is even over, right now, should he win a ring, he's the best point guard ever. You can make that argument, I feel like, pretty easily because he's the greatest shooter of all time. He has some of the best handles. I think some people don't talk enough about how well he handles the ball. Um, He's a good passer. He may not have like the crazy assist numbers that because he's the greatest shooter of all time. So he may not have the crazy assist numbers that guys like Nash and Kidd and and Chris Paul and Magic, those guys have. But he can do pretty much anything he wants on the basketball court. You know, he can shoot it from 30 feet out. He can dribble, uh, break your ankles, drive past you, floater game, pull up jump shot, mid-range, like he has crazy touch around the hoop. Uh, he just, he can score any way he wants. Again, for the third time, best shooter of all time. And he has great handles and great court vision. And he plays great team basketball. He's not the best one-on-one defender, but he's a good team defender. He understands scheme and switches and, and all that. Like he plays his part in the team defense really well. Like obviously Draymond is the defender for the Warriors. But Curry's not a slouch, right? He he tries really hard and he he plays really well. And if he's going up against a bigger, faster guy than him, 
then there's physically not really much he can do other than try. Like, but he has good hands. He has active hands. He moves his feet. And he's a good team defender. So he really does, does it all. If you really break it down to it, he really does do everything you can possibly ask someone like him to do on the basketball court. So that's my, my position. Right now, I have him like fourth or fifth on the all-time point guard list. Obviously still top five. And he's arguably not, he's not top 10 right now. He's not. Top 15, probably. Maybe. Like, I think... Nah, I think he's a better player than Stockton. Who the hell am I kidding? He's a better player than Stockton. Uh, Robertson, Big O, Isaiah, and Magic are the only guys ahead of him. I can't put Stockton ahead of him any longer. That'd be ridiculous. Uh, But he's arguably a top top five player. I mean, top 10 player all time right now. Easily top 15. Should he win another title, he gets proje- he gets catapulted to number one point guard of all time and an easy top 10 player. Easy. Draymond and Clay kind of get lost in the sauce there a little bit because of Curry, but they're fantastic too. Like, they're going to go down as one of the, as some of the best players ever. They really are. And like, Draymond... People sleep on Draymond, but like in 2015, 2016, this is a guy that's putting up 30 and 12 in a playoff game. Like he, he's hitting three point jumpers. He, he, he can shoulder the scoring load. He, he used to be that guy. He was nice like that. Now it's more of just dribble and pass the ball, rebound, play, make play really well, play really, really good defense. And he doesn't really have to do the, sh- the shooting aspect anymore. I don't really know what happened to his jump shot, but it doesn't really matter because he could do everything else so well. And Clay, of course, might go down as arguably the second best shooter of all time. He missed two years there, so that hurt him a little bit. But uh, I think James Harden, second all time in three pointers. And he like doubles Curry's attempts, which is hilarious. So Clay's a great shooter. He'll go down as one of the best shooters ever. That's a fact. Draymond will go down as one of the, like the best playmaking defenders, like uh, playmaking forwards that the game's ever seen. And Steph is going to be a top 10 player ever. That's what's at stake here for the Warriors. And even if they make the finals and they don't win it, there's still a lot to be said about the fact that they were just able to, you know, they were able to compete year in and year out for so long. And then people kind of forgot about them because Clay got hurt, Steph got hurt, they missed the playoffs two years in a row. And well, they missed the playoffs and then they lost in the play in tournament to the Grizzlies last year. And now this year, fully healthy of like a full healthy season of all their key players and they're they're in the Western Con. They're one game away from going to the finals. There's a lot to be said about that. Uh, as for the Eastern Conference Finals, very up and down series. Uh, Miami blows out the Celtics in Game One. The Celtics blow out Miami in Game Two. Miami blows out the Celtics in Game Three, and then Game Four, the Celtics blow out Miami. It's two-two headed back to Miami, and. A lot of the team, the team, both teams are kind of banged up. 
Uh, Tatum got banged up last game, or two games ago now, I should say, in game three. Jimmy Butler missed an entire half. The Miami Heat ended up winning that game, but he missed the entire second half with knee inflammation. Uh, game four, Tyler Hero didn't play because he had a groin injury. Um, in game one, Marcus Smart and Al Horford didn't play. So it's uh, it, it's been a banged up series for both teams and an up and down series for both for both teams. There hasn't been a single competitive game yet. And there's one quarter in each of the games where the other team wins. So in game 1, it was the third quarter for the Heat. I think in game 3 it was also the third quarter for the Heat. And in games 2 and 4, uh it was I think the third quarter for Boston in game 2 and then just really from the get-go, first quarter, Boston opened up like a 20-point lead and they didn't look back. It was just a flat-out dominant performance from them. And also, that's coupled with the fact that Scott Foster was just calling everything under the sun against Miami. Tatum shot 17 free throws in the first half. That's like un- unbelievably ridiculous. Come on, bro. You're like, you're not even trying to hide it at that point. Um... The broadcast has been a bit, ESPN's broadcasts have been a bit skewed towards Boston also, which I find pretty sketchy. But regardless, the series is tied 2-2 going back down to Miami. And I have to correct myself. So game four was a blowout. Celtics won by 20. Game three was the game that Jimmy Butler left at half and the Celtics were able to come back and they ended up only losing by six, which was impressive because they outscored Miami in the fourth quarter by nine. But that first quarter, Miami outscored Boston 39 to 18. So basically Boston had to spend the rest of the game clawing their back their way back into the game. Uh game two, Celtics win by like 25. And game one, the Heat ended up winning by 11. But it was a blowout the entire way. Uh, The Celtics got completely decimated in the third quarter, like I said. But they did score more. uh, They outscored the Heat by six in the fourth quarter to come back for a little bit to save face. But there's been blowout quarters in each. the, The games haven't always been blowouts. All three out of the four have been blowouts. But there's always been one quarter in each game that has pretty much decided it, right? In game one, it was Miami's third quarter. In game two, it was uh, Boston's second quarter. In game three, it was Miami's first quarter. And in game four, it was Boston's first quarter. So it's been, again, a head-scratching series for sure. I'm not sure... I don't know if I like either of these teams against the Golden State Warriors. If I had to pick, I would probably say the Celtics have a better chance of beating the Warriors in the finals, strictly because they have more guys that can go out there and get their own shot than than, uh, than Miami does. That's what I think. But people severely underestimate Jimmy Butler. I think people have to stop underestimating Jimmy Butler. He really is that guy. Um... Shooting wasn't there the other night, but I would not I would not go against him. For whatever reason, 
I have more confidence in Jimmy Butler than Jason Tatum. I don't know why. Jason Tatum's proven time and time again he really is that guy. But uh, I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if Boston's going to get over that hump just yet. But by this time next week, we'll have an answer. And by the time this episode is out, we might have an answer for the West as well if, uh, if Golden State completes the sweep. Okay, so I want to end with all that. I wanted to end the podcast with something a little bit more fun. Uh, I saw this tweet the other day, and it has to do with ranking comic book movies. So, rank these four comic book movies. Logan, No Way Home, The Batman, and The Dark Knight. Now, everyone here that's listening knows how much I loved No Way Home. I think it's a top five Marvel movie ever, easy, easy MCU, and I think it's a top three Spider-Man movie. Uh, it's up there with Spider-Man 2 and Into the Spider-Verse. Now, you can rank those three in whatever order you want. I'm not going to argue with you too much. That's how close I think it is. But unfortunately, No Way Home just doesn't even sniff the other three movies in terms of story, characters, uh, like cinematography, soundtrack, all of it. Like the other three movies are really, really, really good movies, superhero or not. No Way Home is heavy on nostalgia and fan service, and that makes it great. That doesn't make it a bad movie. It's not a negative but it's a comic book movie outside like unlike the other three no way home is a spider-man superhero comic book movie the other three are really good movies that happen to be about comic book heroes so the dark knight top five movie of all time for me like that is one of my favorite movies ever uh amazing villain amazing hero conflict unbelievable Everything about that movie is a masterpiece, right? Like, we, we, we know that it's been that way for a long time. No other quote-unquote superhero movie is ever going to top The Dark Knight. It's just not. So that's my number one. Number two is Logan. And Logan kind of gets lost in translation a little bit when it comes to all these superhero movies because it's an X-Men, it's, it's from Fox, it's an X-Men movie, and the X-Men franchise under Fox's watchful eye has been a mess right you have the original x-men movies and then you have the days of days of future past timeline uh and it's just kind of weird right it, it gets a little bit confusing the best parts outside of the first two x-men movies uh are the individual wolverine movies x-men origins wolverine was obviously a horrific movie but the wolverine was pretty good, and Logan, obviously, was a phenomenal movie. It is the perfect send-off to a hero, maybe the most perfect send-off we've ever had to a singular superhero. It is really, like, phenomenal. It's a masterpiece. Uh, it's a tragic, tragic movie. Draws all kinds of emotions out of you. And Patrick Stewart and Hugh Jackman are 
phenomenal together. But James Mangold did a phenomenal job. They were able to get the R rating and really deliver the tragic, gruesome, violent life that Wolverine has had to live. And it, it, it's, it's, it's just amazing. It's really, really amazing. And the most recent one now that comes in third place is The Batman. Phenomenal story. Focusing in on Batman's detective work. The side characters carry that film. Robert Pattinson as Batman is awesome. Again, one of my only complaints is that it's really missing that Bruce Wayne dual identity. But I've been over this. I understand why they went that route. And in the next Batman movie... I'm sure we'll see a lot more Bruce Wayne, uh, the Playboy billionaire. But Robert Pattinson's Batman is awesome. Andy Serkis as Alfred, it's great. Uh, Colin Farrell as the Penguin steals every scene he is in. Zoe Kravitz, Catwoman, awesome. Like the side characters in that movie are great. The cinematography is, is unbelievable. The score is fantastic. Like, all the things that I have to say about the other two movies, they all apply to the Batman. I think just in, in terms of stacking them up, it, it just falls short. But those three are in a, like, pretty much the same class of superhero movie. Like, really, really, really good movies that happen to be about superheroes. And then Spider-Man is in a completely different tier. You know, it, it's in a really, really good comic book movie, but if, if you start nitpicking, it's like, okay, well, where does this really go? And that's a lot of MCU movies. You know, they're not movies that are supposed to be like highly critiqued or analyzed by movie buffs. They're movies that you're supposed to go and enjoy and they are building a larger universe, which is fun, right? That's the point of those movies is that they're fun. They, ha they have a, a short narrative in their own individual movies in their own right, and then a larger connected narrative, which is awesome. It's something on a scale that has never, ever, ever been done before. Uh, and, of course, the nostalgia factor is huge with Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield in there. Um, Doc Ock and Green Goblin coming back with Willem Dafoe and Alfred Molina. Like, those guys are awesome. Uh, Jamie Foxx. Everyone that came back to do that movie was great. It had arguably the most emotional... The, the, in terms of individual superhero movies in the MCU, not, so not counting any of the Avengers movies, Spider-Man had the greatest loss of any character in the MCU. Like, he has to watch Aunt May die in front of his eyes from his archenemy, the Green Goblin. And then he has to have everyone forget that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Or they, everyone forgets who Peter Parker is, I should say. So it's, he suffers such a huge loss. It's very emotional, especially if you're invested in the character like I am. I love Spider-Man. He is my second. This is also, it's tough for me because Spider-Man is my second favorite superhero, second only to Batman. And the fact that I'm putting Logan at second, like I'm showing you I'm not biased. 
because if it was over-biased, I would say Dark Knight, No Way Home, like, they are the best. But in terms of just being good movies, comic book movies, it's The Dark Knight, Logan, The Batman, and No Way Home. However, you could look at this in a slightly different lens and be like, well, it says comic book movies. And you just said, John, that No Way Home is one of the best comic book movies. In which case, yeah, you could flip it around and be like, sure, I think No Way Home is probably the best comic book movie. But that's not how I was really reading the question or how I was looking at it. Because I just didn't. Um, but if you're talking like strict, like rip from the page, put it on the big screen, comic book movie, it would probably be No Way Home, The Batman, The Dark Knight. Uh, no Way Home, Logan, The Batman, and The Dark Knight. In terms of like comic book, true to the comics adaptations, because The Batman and The Dark Knight, there's no superpowers. Uh, these are just a hero and a villain grounded in reality. And that's what made them great. And then, of course, in Logan, things are very grounded and it's very gritty and realistic but there are still mutants and then spider-man no way home is just like look at all these spider-man villains look at all the different spider-man on the screen like the nostalgia factor is crazy that makes for a great comic book movie so if you're asking for that it's probably no way home logan the batman and the dark knight a little different if you're i'm you know if i'm going by my gut and how i initially reacted to the to the the question it would be, I think, pretty obvious that in terms of just quality of the movies that happen to be based on comic book characters, it's The Dark Knight, Logan, The Batman, No Way Home. So that was a fun tweet that I saw. I thought it would make a nice little fun segment here at the end of the podcast just because I do talk about comic book movies and superheroes so much. So nice little, nice little, little chat about that. Uh, But I'll wrap it up here. So that'll do it for this episode of From My Point of View. Thank you all for listening. I appreciate you as always. Uh, The weather is finally warm. This weekend is Memorial Day weekend. Have a safe and fun Memorial Day weekend. And I will talk to you all next Wednesday where we should have our NBA Finals matchup. (laughs) 